Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday, first synthetic Friday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Khan, and Dennis Dick with you this morning. Uh, oil is, again, going to be the driver of sentiment here, folks. We're getting a lot of numbers out from a lot of different sources about who has agreed to what. Uh, and when uh, we'll find out for sure when OPEC uh, plus meets at 10 a.m. Eastern time. But until then, we're going to be getting a lot of different readings as far as what, what the Saudis could do, what the Russians could do, what the U.S. could do. So that, that'll be our, our leader of sentiment here this morning. We also have a number of individual headlines on our radar. Disney plus came out with some good numbers. Costco had some uh, sales yesterday and uh, we'll talk about those. Take some questions from our chat. Our guest today at at 8.35, we'll be joined by Craig Johnson. He is the managing director uh, and a technical market strategist at Piper Sandler. He'll join us in about 32 minutes from now. We also have jobless claims. Don't forget, at 8.15, that'll be a big number as it's been the past couple of weeks. I'll throw it to Joel now. Joel, uh, tell us uh, what happened here overnight. Uh, well, we are uh, we're trading just in the red by 22 handles at 27.13. Uh, we were able to take out the pair of highs from Wednesday and Thursday at the 27.50 area, getting to 69.75. So that's your first target on the upside. Uh, also, we've been talking about mid-range up for this entire break at 27.86. So additional level as well. Uh, your pre-market low down at 2708 and a quarter. Really not much down there. Uh, maybe some support a little bit at that. Psychological support at 2700 Crude uh, continuing on its rally from yesterday. We got up to 2746 dollars uh, Trading back under $27 at $25.90. Once again, the price of crude will be dictated uh, by that it, the news coming out at 10 a.m., uh, gold uh, back up again, up nice seven-year high uh, a few days ago, gave a little bit back, but now back in the 1700 handle, perhaps closing over 1700 for the first time in seven years. Silver in the green as well, that's by uh, 20 and a half cents at 1541. And Bitcoin is trailing uh, down a buck 90 
at 7,145. Triple D, uh, was watching that close yesterday and uh, with the imbalances and kind of didn't go as expected from what I could observe. Well, what was your take on it? Uh, I think it went exactly as expected. I mean, the market was strong into it, and then they were all buy imbalances. So uh, um, obviously, the market had a feel for where they were. And then we, you know, we did rip higher in the initial numbers, but then we came in a little bit. So towards uh-huh. the end, we came in in the last couple of minutes as they did pair off a little bit better than they have been doing. We've been seeing these violent 350 moves where it just goes in one direction and continues for the entire 10 minutes. Uh, we, we did that in the first couple minutes. Again, as high-frequency traders see those initial numbers, they will immediately buy the stock. So in the initial split seconds after 350, you're always going to get a drastic move in one direction or another as that gets priced in, You know, at least until we have floor traders on the floor. Um, but then, you know, obviously, um, we didn't get the follow-through this time. So we actually leaked the gains back to a certain extent, the 350 gains. But we still closed very, very strong. Overnight, we've had ridiculous action. We rallied. We sold off a bit. Then we rallied the hell out of them. Then we sold it off again. Now we're still uh, trading down here. But the story probably today is going to be about oil. Right. So we're going to get that uh, that OPEC plus meeting here in a couple hours. A, a few numbers being floated around here this morning. Uh, different sources saying different things. Uh, one source told, uh, told Reuters that Russia would be willing to cut up to 2 million barrels per day. Another source telling Renaissance Capital uh, that the, the total production cut for all of OPEC plus will be about 10 million barrels per day. Another source I'm um, seeing on, on, on Twitter saying there's going to be uh, 15 to 17 percent cuts between uh, all across all of OPEC plus. So a lot of different numbers being floated around. We don't know exactly uh, what the cuts will be, but it seems like they've uh, there's some semblance of an agreement that there's going to be a cut. But um, I saw that Putin has no intention of talking directly to the Saudis. So no one's agreed to Jack yet. And we'll wait and see what uh, what comes of the 10 a.m. meeting. So you're seeing this dash for trash here. You saw it big time last night. You're seeing it to a certain extent still this morning, although the sell-off in the markets is not helping the dash for trash. But a lot of little oil stocks trading higher. You know, not so much the big ones. You look at the Exxon Chevron there. You know, Chevron's trading flat now. But if you look at the little ones like the Halliburton's, if you look at, you know, all those companies that have basically, you know, been teetering, um, those are the ones that are ripping. Apache APA is trading up 12% here this morning. You're just seeing you know, a lot of oil companies, smaller ones, really trading strong even ahead of this. They were stronger even last night. Like I said, the overall market weakness is starting to uh, hit some of those individual stocks. But for the most part, you're seeing a lot of strength in little oil names. You're also seeing strength last night in the casinos. You were seeing significant strength in the airlines, which you're still seeing there today. LUV trading up 2.5%. These are big moves considering that the market is down almost 1% delta. So the trash, basically the story of the day, is a lot of the trash. And what I mean by trash is the companies that have really been hit hard in this. There's ones that are down 70 or 80%. Those are still up here this morning. And then you're seeing a lot of, you know, the other names trading weaker. A lot of tech stocks that have held up well are actually some of the more weaker stocks here this morning. So definitely some rotation, serious rotation from the leaders into the laggards. And and that's been the rotation for the last couple of days, and we're continuing to see that. 
Uh, I want to talk about, uh, I guess, a stock that was a leader uh, at the start of this whole crisis. That was Costco. Yeah. Um, because they came out with their March uh, sale, with the month over month sales uh, yesterday after the close. And the numbers were objectively very good, right? Sales for the month of March, 15 point, just under $15.5 billion up 11% year over year. I think it was up. I think, what nine percent month over month I saw. So those, I mean, that's a great result, but the expectations were just sky high for this yeah. one. Yeah, it didn't matter what they reported; they were going to hit it on it. And obviously, the sales came out, and you know, so as much as the mar- most of the stocks out there have very low expectations, the expectations for stocks like Walmart and Costco are sky high. So they couldn't meet those expectations. They hit this right off the initial number and kept hitting it. So I'm actually not surprised it's down 10 points because look, you know, the stock has been holding up. You're talking about a stock that's literally two or 3% from its all time high. Everybody banking that, oh, Costco, that's where I want to hide out. Well, the market likes to punish the maximum amount of participants. If you're hiding out in a stock like Costco, you're getting hit here overnight. I mean, still Costco is going to hold up better if we roll over and die. A stock like Costco is going to hold up better because people are still going and buying food. They're still lining up to go into these stores. So they're still busy. The, the, the company itself is firing on all cylinders. No fault of the company. Just the, the, the fact that the expectations for this stock at this point in time are, were just too high. Uh, Joel, thoughts on uh, how shares reacted? I, I think Joel's on is, mute. Is Joel, is Joel uh, on? Yeah, the old yeah. mute okay. trick. Uh, I tell you, this is if you have the daily up, I don't know if you're looking at the daily or the uh, 15 minute, really a hard, hard technical pattern to discern. Um, Some very wide ranges at the beginning of March for quite some time. And then you settled into like the 285, 295 area. And then you got away from it. You had a big day. I believe that would have been uh, Monday. You had the big up day kind of a continuation on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm just looking back this that area where you had all those other highs, 294, 295, 293. I think that old resistance there could act as new support. Your pre-market level comes in right at 293.56. So and you're trading just above that. So I, I, it's very important for it to hold that area. Uh, instead of falling back to the 285 area, which uh, defined kind of the lower end of that jagged range. I don't even know what you could call this formation, but uh, um, with the space in between. But that's could support 294, 295. There's a lot of underneath demand always for a stock like Costco. I do think it could trade eventually down to the 280 level again. I mean, it's traded down there a lot of times. Why not yep. again? That's where your major, as Joel always says, super duper support comes in at 280. I mean, there, you can just see that's the line in the sand. Remember Harlan Pine? We always had him on the show. And he'd say, bring up a chart. And in the, your first instinct, after you look at the chart for two seconds, what numbers jump out at you? On this case, you bring up the daily. I see 320 and I see 280. And obviously, it's been between those ranges here for the better part of the last month. Gets up in the upper, you know, 310 to 320 area, finds resistance. 280 is huge support. So you're buying 295. You could be early. I mean, it's hard to you know time these things perfectly. I love the 280 level on Costco, though. I think there's if you want to get or delivered, I think there's like an eight or ten day uh, waiting. Costco, period. yeah, 
Yep. So I mean, that's uh, everywhere on some of these stores. I mean, some of the independents are delivering now. Like I heard Staples is delivering even. I didn't realize that. You know, st- st- companies that and stores that don't have typical delivery services. I don't know if Staples does, if it's a good example or not. But I didn't know you could get computer paper. Like I had a friend there like, out of computer paper. He's like, oh, yeah, I just ordered, you know, two bundles from Staples. It was $10 worth of computer paper, and they brought it over to me for free. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how they like the gas money, you know, well, I guess with gas prices cheaper, maybe they can do it. But, you know, a lot of little independents are delivering here now too. So you just don't have to go to the majors on some of the retailers to get your stuff. Just a point. I, I know this is purely anecdotal, but I haven't been to Costco in, a, in about a month, right? Like I, I, I was afraid I'm scared of, of Costco. Costco. Yeah. I'm a little afraid of going to Costco. It's just like too many people. Yeah. Like, like for me right the now. The time to go to Costco so, was two months ago. So I, I did a big shop like, March 1st, March 2nd, March, somewhere in that first week of March range and uh, haven't been back since. So I mean, I don't want to go even into it. So I'm doing the click and collect where at the grocery yeah. stores, I'm actually doing that today. I'm going every two weeks to the grocery store. I got my mask, I got my gloves, I got my hand sanitizer and I bring my pickup and I literally just pop the back open. I don't even interact with the person. I let them just put the groceries in the back of the truck and then I bring the groceries home and everything that doesn't have to get refrigerated goes in the corner of the garage for three, four days. Stuff that has to get refrigerated, I wipe down Lysol wipes. That's about all you can do. Yep. So, and, and, you know, and obviously we can wash the fruit in warm water. Some people are saying put soapy water, but I don't like eating soap. So I'm just using warm water. You're trying to do your best. But I don't, to go into the grocery store at this point in time, I don't want to go in there because it's just too many people. Like especially yeah. Costco. There's so many people going through, you know, there's, there's no doubt there's been some people who have went through your Costco that have had COVID. There's absolutely no doubt. And yeah. they're saying when they cough in the air, that the cough can stay in the air for up to three hours. So, I mean, all it takes is, you know, a couple of people with COVID going coughing around and you could get sick. So I, I'm, you know, very hesitant to go into a store like that. I feel like the time to go to Costco was a month and a half ago or a month ago before this thing started. Now it's like, why do I want to go there now? So if you think Costco is going to keep blowing away with the numbers here through this whole thing, I don't think so. So, you know, that's one thing to consider, um, you know, that the trade and the, and the big money, you know, was made there in late February, early March when they're lineups outside the door and that Costco went up like 20 Hey, bucks Dennis, uh, get ready here. Uh, yeah, don't I was about to, was about to say. 815's a number? 815's a number. Go wide. 5.2. Thank you. 5.2 million uh, jobless claims is the estimate uh, for this week's number. We know, we know 10 million have filed in the last two weeks alone. So we're about a few seconds away from this number coming out right now. What do I Market's see? Market's a little bit nervous hanging it's out not. in the lower quadrant. Are you sure the... it wasn't 8.30? Oh, you know what? It might be 8.30. I'm sorry. I thought it was 8.30. I'm sorry. I'm I sorry. I just canceled my orders. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I'm have sorry. 15 minutes I could have still been trading. I'm Spencer. sorry. 8.30 number. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I thought I thought it was 8.30. I was like, yeah, 8.15 is ADP. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is. Uh, ADP. Yeah, ADP yeah, is out. Yeah. My, all right. All right, I, I, so I can, I can out at 8.30. I was like, this is not funny. Sorry, so folks. You scared me. I was like, I didn't know it was an 8.15. I thought it was 8.30. So I'm like, okay, I cancel. Sorry, sorry, folks. <laughs> I'm not sitting over there getting picked off. It's a good point to make. Like people say, oh, I cancel my orders. Why do you cancel your orders at 8.30? Because, or, or before these numbers, because if you're sitting out there and the market rips, you know, 2% in a hurry, one direction, well, you're going to get picked off. If you have orders sitting out there before the numbers come off, it's a lose-lose because if the market, let's just say, you know, for instance, you know, you have Bank America and you wanted to sell in the pre-market, it closed at 23.45 and, you know, you'd say, okay, well, I'll sell at 23.35 and you have your order sitting out there. If the market rips, it's going to rip really fast and you risk getting picked off. If the market tanks, you don't get executed. 
So by setting your orders out there, just setting them there, you, you're a lose-lose. You won't get filled if your direction is, is, is in your favor, and you will get filled immediately if it's not in your favor. So that's why you don't set orders out there before big numbers, at least are those, are those Unless old? you're going really wide and you think it's going to whipsaw, you know, that's the only reason. But if you're sitting out there, at, you know, just above fair value at like half a percent, it rips 2% on you, you're going to get picked off. High frequency are, traders are, are fast, these for man. all are these for all for exits or potential entries as well both okay. I, I mean on an exit like you're saying joel if you really think you know you really want to throw it high and you think it's going to whipsaw and call it but i'll tell you that the only way you get executed by a high frequency trader is if your order is mispriced for the most part they're not picking off orders that are correctly priced or you know they're they're, they're picking them off it's on the etf arbitrage and the index arb and if you're sitting out there on a stock like Apple, oh, I'll sit scratch or I'll sit down 1%, the market tanks 2%, you're going to get hit on your bid. And you're going to get hit very, very, very quickly. So that's why it's a lose-lose for liquidity providers around these numbers. And that's why you see liquidity. If you were to chart it, you have liquidity you know, here. Right before these numbers, liquidity drops substantially. Uh, Eric Hunsader and Nanix used to do a great job with it and would show you, you, know, how, it, you know, how, how the liquidity falls so dramatically before those 830 numbers. It has to. The market maker can't sit out there, make a five-cent market, and then get picked off and lose a buck. So on the 830 numbers, everybody goes wide. That's what I mean by go wide. You get wider with your bid, wider with your ask. You know, in some cases, if you really want out of a stock, maybe you've got a level, maybe you leave the order out there for that reason. But for the most part, if you're getting executed at 830 on those numbers, it's because your order is likely mispriced. I can show you the uh, the matrix for TradeStation right now. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, I, I can't look at it because it moves so fast. But, you know, you see anywhere from eight to 10 contracts at each level. I mean, it doesn't stay anywhere very long. Uh, the ones farther away, you'll see 30 to 40. Uh, but then, oh, we're going down here. And then uh, the when the actual number, <laughs> when the number goes, when the, uh, actual comes out, you'll just see the, the uh, they'll go wide. There'll be nothing in there. And then you'll just see a bunch of ones, very, very, very wide. So that's why you get that gotta do action. It. Yeah. If you're an electronic market maker, you got to do it too. You got to go wider. You know, obviously, you know, I, I do most of my trading manual. I do have some algorithms that I could use, but for the most part, I do a lot of my stuff manual. I'm back to click. I used to trade, you know, I've told these stories before, but I used to do a lot of automation back in 2004, 2005, 2006, before high frequency trading was a thing. But you know, what I found was I actually had two accounts. I had one that would trade and one was almost all automated. Like I was just running automation and it would make money all the time. You know, too. That's why I know a lot about it. I did it. You know, I, I had I, I thousands of orders a day. So, you know, I was trading high frequency trading before it was high frequency trading. But what happened was in 2008, 2009, 2010, after the financial crisis, it, it got so efficient. It got, you know, and so fast that what happened was is my algorithmic systems weren't able to compete. So at that point in time, you're going to, you know, spend millions of dollars to, you know, in, in, in obviously software updates. And, you know, now you're going to go into, you know, co-location and under the speed race, or you've got to adjust your strategies. So where I was trading off the of speed years ago, back in 2003, 2004, 2005, I now trade, you know, a little bit more off of information interpretation, I like to call it, you know, people say that. But, you know, flat out, you know, stock is taking over for 20 bucks a share. I'm probably not going to be able to make money on that headline. 
But when the headline is gray and the algos aren't participating because they don't know how to interpret it, that's where I come in. I trade news interpretation. And when I believe that the market is interpreting it wrong, I will put on a short or a long, depending on which direction I think it is. Just like last night. So instant, for example, I'll give you an example here. We're going on a tangent. MITT. So MITT comes out um, with an uh, update on their uh, financing situation, an update on their, you know, uh, an update here. So if you go into the pro, you will see last night at 631, they provide an update. And they talk in this update. If you just go into the pro, you'll see it there, Spencer. I'm just trying to grab it, actually. Or was it the uh, 5.21? Here. Um, was it the 5.22 one? There was two updates last night. Here, let me find it once. Yeah. I was doing something. In any regard here, it comes in there. I'll just read to you. So the company has received an aggregate of approximately $145 million of margin calls due to market-to-market -market declines and haircut changes, which it has not honored or otherwise met through the satisfaction of financing liabilities. So this company, MITT, has not, is basically not meeting their margin calls. That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound good. But for whatever reason, the market thinks this is good news. They bought this thing up to $4 last night. Four bucks. Because, and then these people on, on Twitter arguing with me that, well, they're, 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 it says though in there that they're talking you know, and they're negotiating with their financing counterparties. So they're trying to negotiate their way out of it. But let's call a spade a spade. You know, I mean, margin calls. That doesn't sound like a good news interpretation. This thing traded up over $4 last night on this. Anyways, I did put a short on it. And today it's 307. I cover too soon, you know, FIFO with me. I always get out too soon. But I was able to cover it last night for a profit and I got out. But I mean, you look at this thing um, now at 307, you think, okay, that makes more sense. So whoever is buying that thinking, oh, it's good news that they're not meeting margin calls and it's good news that they're negotiating with the creditors. It doesn't sound like good news. So that's where somebody like me is going to make an opposite opinion and say, I don't believe the stock should be trading higher. here." And there was definitely people making the bet that, okay, yeah, maybe they're going to get, you know, people are saying maybe they're going to get bailed out. Maybe they're going to, who's coming to bail out AG Mortgage Investment Trust on their $147 million worth of liabilities? So it's all about, you know, in this environment, with as many headlines as we continue to get, there is huge money in news interpretation, being able to interpret and be on the right side of it. You're not always going to be right. You know, sometimes I'm wrong, and then you've got to work out of the trade as best you can. You've interpreted it wrong for whatever reason, you know, the numbers. But just like Costco numbers last night, on Costco numbers last night, initial thoughts might be, oh, they're good numbers. Let's buy this. But uh, 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 let's think about where the market is on Costco. The market is like, we expect really good numbers because, you know, we've been seeing lineups outside the door and we've been seeing everybody stock up their pantry. So it's not absurd to think that, you know, it's down 10 bucks. Media will come out and try to find some fundamental reason to justify the sale and saying, oh, well, you know, they didn't do this right or this right. They'll read through it to try to find a fundamental reason to justify the price. But most of the time, it's all about expectations. And if the expectations are, you know, here and the company comes in here, even if the number looks good compared to here, it didn't meet those higher expectations, stock is likely to fall. So lots of money to be made in headlines. I know there's people out there who believe you cannot make money head, make, uh, trading headlines. I've been profitable every year for the last 10 years, basically trading headlines and doing a little bit of arbitrage on the side. So I can tell you, that whoever is saying you can't make money on headlines absolutely doesn't know what they're talking about. 
Now, is everybody going to be able to make money on headlines? No, there's a long, long learning curve. I've been doing it for 15 years, reading headlines. You know, I, I can speed read. Like, I am a very good reader because I'm trying to pound through these things as quickly as I can. But, you know, there isn't a lot of money to be made on stock gets taken over at $50. Stock, stock that's black, uh, headlines is flat out black, and there's no doubter it's going up. Hard to make money on that because the algos are all over that. But algos don't like gray. And that's where a human being can still succeed by trading headlines. There's a, and there's some, you know, for your pro subscribers as well. There's still money to be made with Benzinga Pro. Great. All right. Uh, we went down and made a low at 27.01. Just a small daily level I had there at 02.75. So found support there the first time. You would have just had to have your order out there in order to get done. Uh, Mid-range still coming in at 38 and a quarter, and that's close enough to the high close of the rebound yesterday at uh, 27.35. So that's how we're setting up here technically ahead of the number. Uh, did we already go over the expectations What for the number? The, the estimate, the consensus estimate is 5.2 uh, million. And that would be roughly half of the, the two-week total. We've seen about 10, a little under 10 million people in the last two weeks file for unemployment. Uh, so the, the, this week's consensus is, is sort of right in that midpoint area. Uh, first time in three weeks that Goldman Sachs is not at the high end of the estimate here. J.P. Morgan is calling for $7 million. That That is the high end of the range. But 5.2 is the number to watch here. 5.2 million initial jobless claims. Okay. All right. Well, we got uh, we got about four minutes here before that number comes out. I see the house and mouse here. Yeah, green, let's talk in it. The green. Uh, five point two or five point five, somewhere in that five to low five to mid five million dollar handle range. Let's okay. take four uh, minutes on Disney because Disney Disney Plus. Yeah. Yep. Disney Plus. Disney announced yesterday that Disney Plus now has or has more than fifty million paid subscribers. That came out yesterday at like 5.30-ish. Nice numbers. They ripped the stock on it. Um, props to Kramer, who actually had mentioned this before. He's saying, I actually heard him say it, that the Disney Plus is probably blowing it away. And, you know, logic would say, you know, yeah, everybody's sending home. They're probably going to want more TV. Let's try this Disney Plus out. So, you know, that that's the good news. The bad news is that we're significantly off the highs. And how high did we get, Joel? Because this has got silly. Yeah, this uh, they really they had a, an initial ramp up, and then uh, they gave it another uh, another poke and got it to one oh nine eighty eight. Call one ten. Yeah, one ten. Didn't we have something up there at one ten? Uh, while back, uh, one no, nothing at one. We haven't been. It's a big hole psychological. Yeah, maybe. you're right. Probably some uh, some offers there. Yeah, I I'd see. imagine. I don't have my. Actually, I do have my book. You know, I could go look here quickly. JV Speck will beat me to it. He's really fast though. JV so, Speck. I'm going uh, and looking at the Disney book. What I mean by the book is I'm going to the NYSE Open Book, which you can subscribe to for sixty dollars a month. Then you can see actually everything that the Disney Market Maker would see in the book. Um, I'm trying to go up to one ten to see if there's anything kicking around up there. Oh, uh, you know what? It, I don't know how some people have the deeper book. I might mine stops at like fifty levels, so I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's a thing, but anyways, I can see there's some size one hundred eight, but there's nothing really in there, so I don't. I can't see up to one ten. JV Spec, I think's got a deeper one. He subscribes to the better book, I guess. So, um, it, it's four hundred thousand shares have traded. Um, 
an area of interest. Uh, you want to see it hold the high from yesterday uh, or two days ago. That's 105.89. So you're just kind of hanging out there at the two-day high. If you continue up, uh, next potential target could be 107.73. Dennis, you mentioned some size there, uh, potentially yeah. at 108. And then, of course, you want to you know take out that pre-market high, 109.90, called 110. But uh, in the green by 4.5% with the market going down 1%, uh, some good news there. For, for Disney. It's good news, but let's put this in perspective. If you're coming and buying Disney at 110 last night on this, the parks are closed. Their movie operations are basically all closed. I don't see anybody flying back to the parks when we get the hell out of this thing. I think it's going to be 18 to 24 months before you start seeing Disney numbers go back to normal at the parks. So there could be some suppressed earnings here for a while. Um, and then you think, okay, well, Disney Plus, oh yeah, we're all, all, all. Well, that's a drop in the bucket on their overall revenues. I mean, you know, they obviously a big, you know, I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it's just dropping a bucket. Yes, it could be their growth. And yes, it's great that they had good numbers. But am I buying Disney up 8%? 829, Dennis. Plus? 829. We're not, we're not fooling around this time. 829. <laughs> That's all my orders <laughs> again. This time we're, we're, we are serious. So when we say the number is imminent, right. so we're about 40, right. uh, 35 seconds away here from a number. So really, um, uh, we had that little bounce and we have traded this uh, up to 27.15 here. Uh, really the high since we had that quick dip at, uh, I don't know, just a few minutes ago, we dipped down and made the low of the session. Oh, one, the rebound has been right here at 15. So kind of hanging in here. We mentioned, uh, the close from yesterday. You have traded through that closing price on a, quite a bit. That's 2735. Uh, also mid range on the session comes in at that area at 38. So if, we get a little bump. Let's see if we can clear that area. Bumping. We're bumping. We're trying. You got the number, Spence? Uh, my. Are they slow on it? just froze up. There we go. There it sorry. is. It's six, sorry. Six, yeah, 6.6. .6. All right, 6.6 .6 million initial job claims filed last week again versus 5.2 million estimates. So. Uh, that brings the three-week total to about 16 million uh, initial jobless claims filed. That 6.6 .6 is right in line with last week. That's interesting. Last what week's is reading, normal? What's what's normal in this? You know, what what do we normally see? Just to update, and I don't even follow it that close. Like, what do we normally see? I know this is just absurd, but the, what is I, what is a normal jobless claims? The number? I think the 12-month average was in the 200. A uh, thousand, yeah, two hundred fifty thousand. Two hundred thousand. We're talking six point six million. Well, and, well. Keep in mind that like numbers were like unemployment is has been at you know historic lows here. So the twelve month average is a twelve month average of a, of an historically great period for the job market. Uh, but we're looking at I think around two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand was the twelve month average. Them. Right there, we talked about going unchanged. We find, go we find ways to make news. We find the silver lining. This market loves silver linings. Yeah, and uh, even despite the numbers being absolutely terrible, we rally 30 handles on that. That's what we're in the, this market. This market is now disconnected from fundamentals once again. Traded on logic a lot of times, but now, you know, no matter what, it's like, okay, Good news for Costco numbers. We're going to slam that because the expectations are too high. The expectations are so low for the economy, so low for numbers that it doesn't even matter what they report. They're going to rally it on it. So they come in below the low, low expectations. 
and we still rally on this. This market loves a silver lining. You, you mean they came in below the worst? The worst expectation was seven, and and we, and we came in at six point six million. But said so. six point five was the average, so we're below. We were below, which is already six point four. It says estimate is five point no. two five. It says here. Yes, yeah, that's correct. Fire was six point six four. So it sounds like we came in a million more than what was estimated. I, I guess I, I guess that's I was good news. Yeah. I, I, guess uh, I was confused. It, it is what it came, is. This market now trading off logic. It has been trading very much off, you know, just thought, but now it's trading that we got to buy every dip no matter what. You know, people are actually scared that they have missed the bottom and they believe that we are going back to new all-time highs, that we're going to open this economy next month and everything's going to go back to normal. I do not believe that, but who the hell knows? Uh, you just popped up to 46. Uh, so that came up a little bit shy of the pair of highs from Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, it really didn't come within earshot of the pre-market high at 27.69 and a quarter. Uh, could, we, we went green. We stayed green. Now we're kind of struggling to stay green here. So my focus still is going to be on that closing price of uh, 27.35, and as I mentioned, mid-range right there at 27.38. I expect uh, the bulls and the bears to battle it out at that level. I, I should, we should also point out that continuing claims were lower on a week-over-week basis. Continuing claims 7.4 million uh, versus 8.2 million last week. So continuing claims going down. Initial jobless claims uh, staying steady at least on a week-over-week basis, and uh, that's where we're at. With the initial jobless claims number for this week, 16 million, million people have filed for unemployment in the past three weeks. Uh, 8.33 here. Good news. Oh, that's great news. That's fantastic news. 40 I'm, handles worth of fantastic news here, Joel. Yeah. <sighs> yep. Yep. I, I mean, I, I look at this and I just, it, it's hard. It's hard to just justify, you know, from a thought process of what the hell's going on now. So I'm at a point, I almost feel like going to 100% cash. I almost feel like that, but I know I never want to do that. And that would be a very, very wrong move, you know, for obvious reasons, because this market, you know, if it continues to just shrug everything off and climb the wall of worry like it did, it's possible it could go to all-time highs. So, you know, by the end of the year, it's, it's possible. Nothing's out of the realm of possibility with this market. So I'm going to continue to hold of the stocks that I have, but I can't come in here and buy stocks here now. I mean, after a 20% rally in a week, you know, like I said, I bought eight or nine stocks. You know, I got myself probably back down to like a 70% cash scenario, but I'm still loaded with cash in the long-term portfolio, loaded with cash. And I'm going to trade like you got to, so I'm putting the investing hat on because some people think when I'm talking about means I'm not going to buy any stocks. I trade everything. I buy and sell and short stocks every single day, you know, at inefficiencies and my day trading account, it's active. You know, I usually try to get flat, you know, after 10 o'clock in the morning, but I do overnight trading because I know the big moves are overnight. But the investing cap on, people keep asking, what are you buying? You know, what stocks are you coming in? I get this question three to four, maybe maybe five times a day in either emails or Twitters. What do, what do you like? What are you buying? I can't bring myself to come in here and buy anything at this point in time. The time to buy, I believe, you know, they gave you a shot yesterday too. And I thought about buying some more stocks yesterday on the pullback, but I just think about where we are in this. And I don't think we're out of the woods. 
I just don't see him. Bill Gates was on CNBC this morning and he was saying some great stuff that I completely agree with. Kind of, you know, what we've been saying uh, on the show is even if you reopen the economy next week, let's just say that the U.S. government says, screw it, the cure is worse than the disease, you know, like Trump's been saying, and we're just going to reopen everything up. What Gates said was people are not just consumer habits for the short term here have changed. People are not just going to go back to the normal course of business if they think there is danger out there. And that's what I've been saying is that it's just because you reopen the movie theater and the restaurants doesn't mean everybody's going to go flock to them tomorrow. We're not going to flock until we know that we're not going to get sick. So it's kind of pointless to just reopen everything up when there's still the potential to get sick out there. So until we get a vaccine, you know, or at least a therapy that does some pretty good work, there's going to be a, a significant portion of the population that's going to be spooked. Some people might just go out. Maybe Let's just say hypothetically half the people go out and go back to hotels and do their business, go on vacations, go on flights. It's still not enough for all these companies to get back and, you know, start making money again. You know, certain companies, you know, haven't been hit. But there's a lot of companies, you know, like the airlines are saying, they're flying at 20% capacity and the break even 65. Well, I think if you just reopen and say, every, open everything up, I don't think they get back to 65. So I think they're still burning cash, burning less cash, but still burning cash. So I don't think that you're out of the woods here until we have some type of therapy that absolutely works. Can we do that overnight? Absolutely. Science can change things on any given night overnight. We've got it. We've got the thing that works. Everybody's going to get better. That changes everything overnight. We could rally 20% on that overnight. But I don't know if that is going to happen anytime soon. And if it doesn't happen in the next few months, there could be more companies that are in significant trouble. I mean, you look at like a REIT, like MITT, that can't meet a margin call. I mean, okay, we can fight that for a while. Maybe we can delay it. And maybe eventually, you know, we, the time will take us out of this. But there could be a lot of companies that actually do not survive if we are in the shutdown period for more than two or three or six months. I want to get our guest thoughts on this. Craig Johnson is a managing director and technical market strategist at Piper Sandler. Craig, good morning. Good morning, and thanks for having me on this show. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, Craig, I want to get your thoughts on that number and the market's reaction to it. Well, the market was really fearing a number closer to 10 million. And when you go back and you look at the fact that uh, the average over some of the most hard hit states was around 9%. And uh, the number you put out here today at, uh, you know, 6.6 six, uh, is certainly not as bad as what the market had ultimately feared. And I got to tell you, I look at everything that's happening out here. And yeah, there are tremendous amount of problems out here. But I got to tell you, in the last 24 to 48 hours, the portfolio managers, the guys that are running billions of dollars, they've gone from a psychology shift of, uh, I'm worried about uh, losing here on the way down to, it's now gone from um, uh, what I call FOCO to FOMO, right? Mm -hmm. Fear of the corona outbreak to now FOMO, fear of missing out. And these investors need to be invested. And uh, with this jobless number coming out today, not at a number as high as, say, 10 million, um, investors are going to be looking to use any sort of weakness as an opportunity to be buying this dip. Dennis, I agree with you. There's definitely a ton of problems out there that need to get worked out. Fundamental analysts have no idea what the earnings power looks like for these companies. But I really think what's going to happen from having conversations with people, they're going to start looking across the valley. They're going to look at what their numbers were for 2019, look out to 2021, and they're going to average out some of these things to start figuring out where these things should be. At this point in time, the bottom definitively 
has been made on March 23rd. We're not going to get a retest. There is zero evidence that we're going to get a retest. In fact, when I go through and I look at every single stock in the S&P 500, I look at the NASDAQ, I look at the Russell, zero stocks in the S&P 500 are breaking below the March 23rd lows. Less than 100 stocks in the Russell 2000. So anybody that's out there looking for a retest or a further breakdown from here, it's not going to happen because the evidence in the market based upon the charts, based on the stocks does not suggest that that is the case. You also come over and you look at the fixed income market. The Fed has done a great job of getting their arms around this uh, uh, fixed income market at this point in time and things are stabilizing. You can start to see that the higher, uh, you know, the high yield spreads and those things are starting to come down. Yes, they're still elevated, but they're not getting worse. You look at where 10-year bond yields are, they're coming down, they're not rising, which I think is a good thing at this point in time. No question, there's a lot of humanitarian problems and challenges out there, but right now, the market is moving in the right direction. And I think you're going to see a market that's going to look more like, um, more like a, uh, how do I say this? It's going to look more like a market that's come down, and then it's going to go back up, and then ultimately just kind of go sideways for a while. And I think what is going to happen is that when you go up to this 2790 level that I think will probably get tested in the next couple of days here, you move through 2790, 2800, anybody who has not gotten back onto this trade from an active management perspective or even a computer perspective uh, has already missed 50% of the move off the bottom. That's really hard to keep your seat and keep your chair if you've missed 50% of the move off the bottom from an active management perspective. They will have to cave. They will have to participate. And then I think this market takes a pretty quick ride up to the 200-day moving average, and then we consolidate. So that's going to be right around 3,000 on the S&P 500, guys. And what would change your mind on this scenario? Well, if there was going to be a 10 million jobless claim number, that would have changed my mind. Something else that would change my mind would be as if, this, uh, if the economy is closed and shut down into, say, September or uh, August or September. But right now, it looks like the bad news has been priced in. This has been a bear market, as uh, my good friend Jim Paulson has said. This was like a hypersonic bear market that played out very, very quickly. And uh, a lot of that got priced in extremely quickly. And uh, right now, I look at all my breath measures, all my gauges, all my sentiment things, and they got washed out to zero. And guys, I've only seen that happen now five times since the 1960s. This is the fifth. And when I get readings this low and I look out going forward, I find that the market on average is higher 13% 26 weeks later. So again, sentiment with the put call ratio. I look at the AAII numbers. I will look at uh, uh, those short-term gauges and sentiment. And they really look like they were fairly well washed out. And now again, from the conversations I'm having with managers, they're starting to fear that they're missing out. And when I look at, again, all the stocks, stocks out here um, like the restaurants and DRI, they're all making higher lows. And if today's price action continues from yesterday, they're going to be making higher highs. And so anybody that's looking at a basic definition of technical analysis would say higher highs and higher lows is the start of a new uptrend. We've also gotten we've also gotten some more uh, some news out of the Fed here that they're they're going to provide up to two point three trillion dollars in loans and have launched a five hundred billion dollar lending facility to support state and city uh, finances. They're going to provide a uh, six hundred billion dollars in loans through their Main Street program. So more Fed actions here this morning is definitely not hurting things. You know, listen, the number one rule of investing has always been, and we all know it. Don't fight the Fed. 
And in fact, don't fight the Fed, don't fight the central banks. The central banks are really have moved in a very hypersonic speed. Our fiscal policy, the government, while you may not particularly like aspects of it, they have moved very quickly to put some sort of bridge process in place to get money to people, to get loans out there. Some argue it may not be fast enough, but I don't think I can tell you a time in history where they've moved as fast as they have. And again, combination between the Fed and fiscal policy, you got about $6 trillion that's coming into this economy to help support the economy in this clear time of need. Again, the humanitarian problems are horrible, but as I look at stocks, I look at markets, the lows were made on the 23rd of March. I absolutely agree with you that the lows are in. Absolutely agree. I actually been saying this on the show the last few days. I, you know, at the point now where I don't think we're going to retest either. But what I struggle with is to come in here and buy the stocks now when we're 20% or whatever we are now, 22% off the lows we made three weeks ago. I feel like if you're coming in here and buying now, like the time to buy was when there was blood in the streets. There's, the blood isn't there anymore. And now you look, you know, even from a 50% retracement, which is the number that you just cited, um, you think about, you know, we get back up to the 50% retracement. I mean, stocks trade in waves. You could argue that we might have a little bit of resistance when we get near that 50% retracement at 279.5. So I, I, I just struggle to say I absolutely need to be in these stocks. And, you know, as a manager, and obviously I'm not a big money manager, I just manage my own money and I'm a prop trader. So, you know, prop trader trades, and that's, you know, that's besides the point. But, you know, I do manage my own personal investment portfolio, and I've been with cash for a long time. I'll tell you how I'm going to rebuild my portfolio is, and I think you're going to see this in this earnings season, you're going to see a lot of ugly individual numbers. And I think there's going to be buy the dip mentality in all of those stocks because there's going to be money managers, like you're saying, scrambling to get back in, maybe just not on the market overall. But if you get like a 7, 8, 10% dip on an individual stock on a, on a report that's horrible, which there's going to be horrible reports, I think those are going to get bought very quickly because what you're saying, and I agree with you, is that there's a lot of money managers that are looking to put capital back to work. Yeah, so what you are your know, thoughts I would about add... buying the dips on the individual stocks and in coming into this earnings season? I think you're going to, you are definitely going to get some dips, but if you put up on your screen, because I, I don't have that screen sharing turned on right now, but if you put up on your screen, you know, charts like Lulu, right? Yep. Like quality stock, this thing has already bounced very well off the lows. And yes, if you get a dip in that stock, you're definitely buying it. And if you look at uh, that particular stock, it's, it's, it's uh, going to be an opportunity for, uh, I think, investors to, again, buy the dip on names like that. But if you also come back and you start looking at stocks like Royal Caribbean, RCL, there's zero question in my mind that people, whether they're in Europe, whether they're in the U.S., they're going to go on cruises again. It may not be in the next couple months, but here's a company that's got about $5.6 billion on the balance sheet. They've already got the, all the loans in place they need for the builds of their new ships. Like, I don't think you're – even if they put out a train wreck of a number – I don't think investors care because they already know that the number is a total train wreck and it's a kitchen sink number going forward from here. So as long as it doesn't look like there's some sort of balance sheet impediment or some sort of hurdle from that perspective, I think that stock is going to go up on their earnings announcement as you start to see a rebuilding and a resetting of, of levels and expectations for, for investors from there. So I got to kind of pick and choose between these things. And again, where I think you're not going to get as much of a breakdown is in some of these rubble stocks that have already been very well beat up. Stocks like DRI, 
stock, um, you know, Darden restaurants, Royal Caribbean. Um, some of these names have already gotten very well washed out. I, I don't think you're going to get a dip in some of those names. Lulu, you could. Costco, definitely you're seeing that today because the number wasn't as big as people had expected um, during the hoarding of toilet paper for whatever reason. Craig, you think new new companies, new sectors of the economy are going to emerge from this that uh, people should keep an eye on? And, you know, restaurants, you know, we're talking about the ones that have been hit hard, you know, uh, during this uh, sell-off. Do you see, do you see any um, in new sectors, you know, after, uh, you know, 9-11, cybersecurity uh, firms and defense uh, were, were the focus? What do you see from this crisis? Well, tongue-in-cheek, I would just tell you, I, I don't think the new growth industry is going to be toilet paper, right? And the hoarding of toilet paper has been enormous that's been going on. You still go to the local Target uh, right here in downtown Minneapolis, and you still can't find any toilet paper on the shelves, which is crazy to me. But more seriously, from an investment perspective, I'm not sure the leadership of this market has changed. I still think you're going to see growth stocks outperform. And when I look at ratio charts of that, that is still indeed the case. When I look at it from an earnings perspective, I'm still seeing better earnings uh, growth potential from the growth type stocks. So the way I've been thinking about it from a sector perspective is I want to be overweight tech. I want to be overweight consumer cyclical and I want to be overweight healthcare. Now, let me define that and break it down a little bit further. So healthcare is kind of the ballast for the portfolio for me. I want to be overweight that good quality names, good relative strength stick with those. The middle part of this third is going to be my growth oriented names. This is where I'm going to own semiconductor stocks. This is where I'm going to own some of the SaaS stocks where I've got good growth, good opportunities and quality names. Apple will fit into that category. Microsoft will fit into that category. And then the other third of the portfolio, I'm going to own some of these names that have been sort of dislocated here over the last, uh, say, 30 to 60 days. That's going to include for me airlines. It's going to include the uh, cruise lines. It's going to include things like Callaway Golf, restaurants, etc. That's where I think some of the alpha is going to get made. And we need to own some of these names because when you look back to history, coming off the lows in uh, December of 2018, investors had a hard time keeping up because they didn't buy some of those distressed companies that were being priced as if they were going out of business. And then you find out that they're not going to be going out of business. They doubled and tripled off the lows. You did the same thing in 08 and 09. So the playbook I'm taking off the shelf is more of that a third, a third, a third off these lows. I just, and, and, and I, I think that trade, like I'm going to take the other side here. I just think that trade was three weeks ago. I mean, ELY, you just gave that was $4.75. It's back to, it's going to be 12 bucks here this morning. I mean, you're talking about a stock that's already up to 150 or 170 percent from the lows, and almost back to half of its losses back. Um, maybe the airlines. The airlines haven't run yet, um, well, so you know there might be a point there on the airlines that you know these haven't moved at all. But there's also the fear of some serious dilution if they do need, eventually need a bailout. Are you worried about dilution possibilities on the airlines, or you don't think there's going to be any dilution at all on any potential bailout? Well. To, to that point, all the way around, taking the last part of your question first. Yep. I mean, the airlines are definitely kind of the most risky in terms of that trade and that perspective at this point in time. Government's going to come in. They're not going to let Delta. They're not going to let these airlines uh, go out of business. So if there needs to be some more uh, policies put in place for them, 
that will definitely be a positive. And yeah, the air, that's why the airlines haven't moved. You look at a Callaway, you look at some of these restaurants, yes, they've already moved off the lows in a very big way. But if you step back and you look at a Royal Caribbean, if you just get back to where you were before the sell-off began, and let's say you're looking out, say, a year, two years, three years, those are still triples from here in some of those cases. And even stocks like Cisco Foods, one of the largest food distributors in the country, got really dislocated because of the exposure to the restaurants. Again, which I totally understand. But going forward from here, it's moved nicely off the lows, but you're still a long way from even retracing half to two-thirds of the decline that these things have seen. So while some of the easiest of the money has been taken off the table, I think there's still some very good opportunities in those names looking out on these over the next 12 to 24 months. We're getting asked here about Boeing, BA. Any thoughts on Boeing? Boeing is one of these stocks uh, that has been very much beat up, has uh, been uh, uh, (laughs) taken to the woodshed in a big way. But when I come back and I look at the actual price action on Boeing, we've started to make a higher low in here. And I go back and I look at the weekly charts, and we've been sort of reset the levels we have not seen since, you know, 13 and 14 type levels. Um, Again, a lot of pain. It's going to take some time for uh, Boeing to, to, to heal and to improve. But this is not a company that I see that is in danger of going away. This is one of these companies in terms of natu- national interest that is going to be around. And there will be additional dollars and funding put up for this company if need be. I look at uh, some video that I'd gotten from a good friend of mine about how many airplanes right now are parked at the Pittsburgh airport, and it's an enormous number of airlines from uh, American Airlines that are parked there. I get it. There's not going to be a need for uh, new airplanes uh, in in a huge way at this point in time because we need to rebuild demand. And again, I think that will ultimately happen because a lot of the consultants out there street analysts, other people, they're still going to meet, they're going to fly, they're going to move around, and demand will rebuild. I think Delta said that 90% of their demand, excuse me, their revenues will be down 90% here in Q2. Clearly, that's not going to be how we should be pricing these stocks. Craig, I will give you this. Uh, you are very convincing right now. Yeah. Uh, oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I've been I've been one of those people that has been just waiting for for more downward action here, uh, and so I could obviously buy lower. But you are extremely convincing, so I'll have to. Um, I don't know. Try to reassess a little bit here today, but uh, you well, make some very really, some very good points. Respectfully, I respectfully, if we move through twenty eight hundred, that fifty percent level. I, I have heard from many different trading desks that the computers are going to kick in at that level. And there is an enormous amount of money that's being driven by computers. And you know that from having done some of that, that trading, as you were mentioning in the segment before. But when that computer money starts to kick in, I think it's going to be zero to 60 to that 200-day moving average on the S&P 500. And again, the QQQs have already moved through that 200-day moving average. So again, this is where you want to kind of work your way into this. And you should have put a slug of your money back to work when you got that kind of capitulation low, which is very difficult to do. The emotions are running high. Human costs are out there. You're seeing all the headlines. Everything is negative. Again, you know, that's the Warren Buffett principle. You got to be greedy when people are fearful. And uh, that was when your first leg of this should come through. I think people will feel even better once you move through that uh, 50% retracement level. And I think that's where another 
part of the money comes back to work. And then once you've done that, then you've got this kind of, you know, dramatic move up and then you ultimately go sideways and then you heal sideways for a couple quarters. All right. Uh, last one, Craig, before we let you go, do you have a, a near term target here today or for the next couple of days in the, in the S and P's? So what I'm going to be watching is 2790, 2800. That's what I'm watching near term. Now my longer term price objective, I haven't changed. It's still at 3,600 on the S&P 500. And I have said to everybody, and I've written in my notes, yeah, that's probably a little bit of a, uh, as John Chambers used to say, a stretch goal at this point in time. But I'm not going to overreact to the sell-off. It's been a sell-off that we've seen and kind of a very quick hypersonic sell-off in here. I'm going to come back in a more thoughtful way, review that target probably in July, once the virus has kind of been tampered down, sort of burned out to a degree, um, and then come back and really think about that objective. But right now, the market's going to go higher from here. All right, we've been on the line with Craig Johnson, Managing Director of Technical Market Strategist at Piper Sandler with a very convincing bullish argument here. Craig, thanks so much for the time, and uh, be safe out there. Thank you. Thanks, Have a great Craig. time. Well spoken. All right. Thank yeah, you. very, very, very convincing argument from uh, – from Craig there. So, all right, eight uh, fifty-six here. We got about or fifty-seven now. Three minutes left in today's show. Was there anything else on either of your guys' radars? Uh, again, buy imbalances. I see a lot of buy imbalances here this morning. We know we're going to see sources of strength in Disney because of the Disney Plus numbers. Um, I'm seeing the financials catch a nice bid this morning. TLT is getting smacked a little bit here this morning, so that also makes me think that um, you know the financials are probably going to be relatively strong. Bank America, 155,000 to buy. Citigroup, 124,000 to buy at the open. So they're showing some buy balances as well. Oil is going to be very strong ahead of this um, meeting that we're going to get, obviously, today. Um, we're looking at the individual oil stocks as basically the source of strength here today. Um, Exxon Mobil is trading up a buck twenty-seven. It's got five hundred and fifty-four thousand to buy already. Chevron ninety-five thousand to buy. I completely agree with Craig that we have went from, um, and, and the acronym he used, I believe, was FOCO, fear of the corona, or was. Fear of the corona virus outbreak. That's a good. That's a good one. I like that. Foco. I like that. I like that. Craig. Uh, to FOMO. We have totally went to that. A hundred percent. It has went to that. Um, the question is, does that continue? Um, Craig believes it does. He believes when we get over two eighty that we're going to spike to three hundred. I I don't know if it can continue like that. It would be a nice move. Um, completely agree with him. The time to put the money to work was definitely back in March and at the end of March. Um, I wish I would have bought some stocks back then in my long-term portfolio, but I wasn't confident enough that we weren't going into a financial crisis. It was looking really ugly then, um, you know, and I traded through the financial crisis and watched markets decline significantly. Um, it looked really ugly. It looks a little bit better now, but still the overall picture is still somewhat concerning. So coming in and buying now, um, you are a little bit late to the party, in my opinion. Maybe not. Maybe we just go back to all-time highs by the end of the year. I saw a money manager on CNBC that thought we could we could hit 3,400 S&P 500 by the end of the year. I just, you know, I think consumer habits are going to be different. I think there's going to be a lot of things that are different here. So I just don't envision that scenario where we're just going back to all-time highs. But, you know, I will be a buyer on pullbacks as well. I've been a buyer on pullbacks. Like I said, I bought some Microsoft. I bought some Twitter. I bought some... Um, you know, some uh, different stocks as well. I've been buying higher quality tech names with cash like the Microsoft, but um, I'm scared of the trash stocks still. They've moved significantly, but I'm scared of putting money to work in Delta. I think, you know, it hasn't moved. It probably makes sense, 
that maybe these ones are going to be the next ones to go because everybody's just kind of combing the ditches for what hasn't moved yet. The airlines haven't moved. So maybe that's where the money's going to flow to in the next couple of days. The earnings are low. Expectations are so ridiculously low for all these things that there's probably going to, you know, easily be able to meet those low expectations on all of these things. I don't know what a bailout looks like on some of these uh, airlines, which is somewhat why I'm concerned about putting them in my portfolio. But I also feel like I can get good quality names and keep my portfolio still stronger looking. And I don't need to buy the trash stocks to make money going forward. I'm just don't sleep well. And it's about how you sleep. I mean, if you're trying to get rich and you want to, you know, make your money overnight, some of these trash stocks, some of them are up, you know, and I'll call them trash stocks because these are the stocks, they're not obviously trash companies, but these were the stocks that were hit the hardest by the COVID virus. And these are the stocks that are really burning the cash. Some of these REITs, some of these, you know, are off, you know, 80, 90%, some of the smaller REITs. Some of these might come back if they don't go bankrupt. I mean, they're going to come back if they don't go bankrupt, but I don't know if that's the case. You know, some of the smaller oil companies, like a Halliburton, for instance, you know, it goes from $23 before this started down to four bucks. It's eight now, it's nine. So it's on its way back. Is it going back to 15 to 20? Well, if oil goes back to 40, 50, $60 a barrel, maybe. I don't know if oil's going there or not. You know, I don't have a crystal ball, but what I can tell you is the way I sleep safely is by having quality in my portfolio here. And that mm -hmm. is tech. I absolutely love tech and the big tech with cash. I still own my Apple, I own Google, I own Microsoft. Um, Amazon is probably a good, you know, it's come back a long ways here now. So it's hard to get all excited at all time highs. But you know, another one I love is Shopify. Um, it's up 10 bucks, it's pulled back significantly off the highs. I believe Shopify is a great company going forward. So I think you could buy quality here as opposed to jumping into um, the smaller companies that might or might not survive. Uh, real quick, Zoom. Everyone's asking about Zoom here, and it's just it's just quiet, folks. I don't know what you're looking for. You've had uh, you had that spike to 125.88 yesterday. Uh, your two-day high is 125. Just it's up 91 cents. Just consolidating here. The break of those lows at 108.53, 109.57, and I think he tested uh, you know triple digits, you know 100 dollars, but. It's stubborn. It's not doing that. It's not going down. But uh, I really think to get it in motion, you got to clear 126. And in between there, you're just kind of – you're just playing in the range of the last few days. So nothing nothing jumping out at me technically on Zoom. Uh, Dennis, do you want to know uh, which – which uh, ETFs are on my radar here that I've been looking to buy yeah, uh, slash have, or, have, have already bought. There are a couple yep. here. So my list, uh, as far as like, you know, not, not the trash names, right? This is like the, you know, techno, a lot of tech here. So yep. we talked about K-Web, K-W-E-B, that's Chinese internet. I also am looking to buy IBB. You want to know what that is? I'm looking to buy uh, F, uh, FIVG, the 5G ETF. I'm looking at Hero. The esports ETF. These are all like super niche yeah. ETFs here that are not very liquid, but uh, I like what they get. They get exposure to, and uh, I, I want, I'm looking at ArcW, ARKW. That's the the Kathy Wood actively managed ETF. She's got some pretty broad base exposure to a lot of uh, futury type technologies. Big into Tesla, uh, big into cloud. There's a few other segments there. Uh, payments, so uh, that that's one that's got pretty broad, like future exposure. So those are the, the few on, on that are on my list, and and the MJ that I've talked about. As well. I mean, you've 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 covered a lot of really strong sectors, and the, the problem is with a few of these, like you look at you know the gaming stocks, and you know I was buying some of these gaming stocks back yeah. in March because 
I felt like this is an industry that isn't going to get hit on it. I mean, now you look at like an Activision Blizzard, which is probably in that gaming ETF that you just talked about. And it's okay. It's went from 52 to 62. I mean, we were back up near the highs where we were when this thing started. So it's like, okay, you know, the easy money's probably been made there. Take two, which I own as well, um, has, you know, come back and, you know, it's actually higher than it was when all this stuff started because video games, you know, people are still playing video games, maybe playing more because they're stuck at home. So, you know, some, some of these, some of these, you know, absolutely are buying quality. A lot of that, those names you just mentioned, you know, and those ETFs are quality. And I like that. And I would be a buyer of some of those stocks on pullbacks as well. The question, you know, I still have is, and do I need to chase? Because really, if you're buying here today, you're chasing. There's no doubt you're chasing. Five days ago, we were at 245 buy. Now we're at 276. So you're talking about a 15% move in four trading days. You are chasing. The question is, do you need to chase in this market? Maybe you do. Maybe we're just going to go straight up. We're going to V bottom here. And, you know, we're going to be at all time highs next by the end of the year. And you'll be happy you chased if that is the case. I not chasing. That's my opinion. I'm not chasing stuff here because I don't think we're completely out of the woods. And I don't know how we grew up in the economy. So maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe, you know, it took me, you know, even when I was selling everything back in January, I was three weeks early on that trade, three weeks. And I got punished for it. The market went up seven, eight percent. My whole first round of puts expired worthless because I didn't go up far enough. So, you know, timing of this thing is absolutely very, very difficult. But do I believe that there's only going to be 60,000 deaths in the U.S. now that they're saying, and Fauci is saying that? I mean, you start looking at the math, we're losing 2,000 people a day. We better get this thing under control in a hurry. Absolutely, the social distancing measures have worked. That is going to help the numbers. The question is, when we just reopen, or do we get another spell of this thing? Even when we reopen, do we get another spell of this thing in September? Lots of things to worry about. That's why I'm not going all in. I'm not a money manager. My per performance isn't based and compared to anyone else if I don't want it to be my investment portfolio. I don't have investors. I don't have people looking over my shoulders and saying, you're not beating the market averages. So I want to sleep well at night. So it wait, all depends wait, so on your own situation. So wait, you're telling me your wife isn't hounding you like, like Dad, honey, what the hell? My wife wanted to sell everything <laughs> back in okay. March. She has told me every day to go to 100% cash. And that's just typical of, you know, of, you know, a fear of the, what we were in. It looked really, really bad back in March. It looked like I was at a point where I was actually moving money around to get under the insurance in my bank accounts and in my brokerage accounts. Like, I got quite a bit of money. So I was like moving money around and trying to open up other brokerage accounts to move money around just in case it got into financial crisis situation. So it looked really ugly there for a bit. I mean, you look at the banks and there was no doubt there was some issues. When Bank of America falls from 35 to 17 in three weeks, don't kid yourself. There were some issues there, you know, potentially on the table. It looks like we're coming out of that. I'm not concerned about a financial crisis here at this point in time. But what I am concerned still about is chasing the market and saying, I absolutely need to be in. We're going back to all-time highs. I don't see the formula for us just ripping higher. And if you're buying here at 277 because you think there's upside to 300, okay. But there's also the potential for downside here too. Risk-reward is probably balanced here a little bit more. Uh, again, yesterday, the buying opportunity was, it, it's given you a lot of opportunities. I mean, we've had a lot of pullbacks. Maybe we're just going to continue to rip higher and we're going to get any more pullbacks. But that's not what this market has done. Again and again, we've had a lot, even in this little rally that we've had, the last 20% rally, we've had seven, 8% falls. Well, just look at them. Like, there's one, two, there's been two, three significant falls even since we've had those rallies where it's given you opportunities to buy stocks. I've been punished for chasing stocks in the past. I do believe I will be able to buy some stocks. 
I, be, I believe you're going to get some. You're going to have pullback in Starbucks today. So maybe that's a stock you pick on. Maybe this pullback's already gone. It's already gone. But I mean, opportunities like that, if you're really fast, Starbucks was trading like 68, 69. So maybe that's when you strike, you know, and that's what everybody's going to be doing. And that's why the trading in this in earnings season coming up is going to be fabulous because you're going to get opportunities where I, I got my buy the dip hat on. I mean, just for day trades even. Um, but with that all being said, markets ripping up, I'm still sitting with 70% cash. So I'm getting punished for my cash position, even though I took, you know, I went to that, you know, I'm still way up in that trade because I went to it way back in January, February. But at the same time, I absolutely have missed the bottom. I've missed the bottom. Craig's right. The bottom's in. You know, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to retest. Unless this thing just blows into a full pandemic again, like, and you know, and something else happens, I don't believe we're getting a retest. But I'm still going to stick with higher quality names because I don't think we're out of the woods. All, All right. right. Went, went a little long here, but that's yeah, sure okay. Did. That good rant. Yeah. Final show of the week. We are, of course, off tomorrow. Joel and I will be back with you at 3.40 today to wrap up the trading week. Uh, you can catch the replay of this show on YouTube or the podcast on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks to our guest, Craig Johnson. And thanks to everyone in our chats. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice everyone happy holidays happy passover uh happy easter to all those celebrating uh stay safe out there and we'll be back with you the three of us on monday morning say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive. And that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.